We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2022 122nd U.S. Open player by player breakdown. Everyone's favorite show of major season. A lot of work goes into this, probably. At least that's what people tell me. But that's why we don't do it every week. We break it up for major season. I want you to smash the like button for the episode. Give me your favorite $6,000 guy this week on DraftKings because it's a real crapshoot from the bottom. It's going to stick a lot of people with stopping at 7,000 and building their lineups that way. If you can find a gem or two down in the sixes, I think you're going to be looking pretty pretty good this week at least that's my opinion sub to mayo media network and the giveaways hit the newsletter because i'm offering 10 ballots a piece in the draw for one 200 cash giveaway two 100 cash giveaways jeff feinberg's giving away a justin herbert rookie card to one lucky winner out there too and if you are in any of the non i mean if you're in 
the United States or Canada, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, five stars, Twitter handle, all that fun stuff to get those ballots. But if you live in Ireland, Great Britain, Australia, Germany, Singapore, uh, the Emirates, Portugal, Sweden, Brazil, Colombia, all places where the Pat Mayo experience is trending right now, thanks to all of you, if you can leave a rating and review and you're one of those countries, you're going to skyrocket us to number one. So please, everyone out there, and you'll be in line to get into the 10 ballots in the draw for the giveaways for the stuff too. I do have one thing in the newsletter this evening, so go sub to that down in the description right now, that gets you 100 ballots in the giveaway. You want to get the 100 ballots? Uh, you should probably check out the newsletter. And any retweet or share gets you one. You can do it unlimited times as well for anything you see come across on social media. The Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League is 80% full as of right now. This is going to be full by the time we get to the live chat on Wednesday, one or sorry, noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network with myself and Tambo. Uh, I think it'll be full by the time we get there. So go get your spot right now. Three max entry, $15 to play. No rake, thus making it the best tournament on DraftKings. Rick Gaiman, I lied to the viewers. I said you were going to be at the course while we were doing this, although it makes sense that you'd rather be in your studio with your good connection before you go. So I appreciate you making the time to do this before you hop on a red eye and get no sleep for four days. Uh, yes, that is the exact plan. Yeah, media center Wi-Fi, never great. Uh, so I figured, hey, get all my stuff done. Then I'll be able to really enjoy the action from the country club when I get there. I'll still be working, but it'll feel it'll feel more like pleasure than than work. Pat. Well, let's talk about the weather before we do anything, because now you know it's, it's that time of major week where it's like, oh, my God, the weather. Can you imagine? Or I don't think the weather means anything. I don't think we should be making any bold predictions on a Tuesday evening. Tambo and I will break that down more in depth on Wednesday, and I'll have a full release in the newsletter on Wednesday night. But it does appear like the best of it is going to be as early as possible on Thursday. That's what it looks like right now. Not saying it stays that way, but how much of an influence do you think that will have on you when you're constructing your DraftKings lineups? So um, I generally let it impact me a lot less than others because I think as we've seen over the past couple of months and past couple of years, we are very bad at getting <laughs> this right. Uh, even when sometimes we get the draw right, it's for the wrong reasons. So I, I tend to take it into account less. However, I, I would agree with you if, you if you made me pick a side, that early Thursday draw looks a little bit better with the caveat of, it's summertime in New England. This can change all very, very rapidly over the course of the next day or so. It was strange because at the players, the rain wet wiped out what we would have considered to be the good time, thus making the good time the bad time to be on the course. So it was the opposite split. And then people got kind of gun shy, or at least we thought they were going to get gun shy at the PGA Championship when there was a pretty clear, distinct wave that you wanted to be a part of. And even more people stacked that wave and it did work out. Justin Thomas did come from the other side, but I think like nine of the next 12 guys on the leaderboard were from, I think it was the PMAM wave. I can't even remember which one it was now, but it did work. Out. The one that everyone thought was going to be the good wave did turn out to be the good wave. The difference with this one is you don't get like a double good day. It's just early on Thursday, it looks like it's going to be less windy. And then the rest of the week, it's looking kind of brutal out there. <laughs> yeah, it's you're absolutely right. And uh, that's why I think, I mean, what it, it could be maybe a half a shot in favor of that wave, which on average adds up. I don't want to say that, it, that it's nothing. But uh, yeah, there's, you know, rain in the forecast potentially on, on Friday. Every time I check the percentages change on that. And we know uh, if you add a little bit of 
water to a USGA setup. They're going to be able to keep the greens firm and fast, but that rough feels like it gets a lot thicker and gets a lot nastier. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be um, a fairly sizable challenge, no no matter how the, the forecast ends up paying, uh, panning out. And if you really do want to, if you don't want to go full DraftKings lineup stacks with the AM PM wave, I would recommend that if you're playing showdown, probably just use early guys on Thursday. Maybe if you look at the first round leader market, <coughs> Seb Straka, you might want to go with the guys who are earliest out on the course. They might get the best of it. Or we can talk to you about 24 hours from now and everything is flipped. That's why we don't want to make too big of a deal of it. But I did want to bring it to people's attention before we started to dig into the players. All the stats that I'm using and ownership projections we'll speak of come from Fantasy national.com go to fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20 percent off the lineup generator all the stats the simulator the ownership projections and creating your own model made so so easy even a moron like me can use it so you'll have no problem with it fantasynational.com slash mayo let's talk number one guy on the board in terms of the DraftKings pricing it's scotty chef where he's eleven thousand three hundred dollars rick i think i am going to bet scotty you know what? i am going to bet scotty chef for this week but it doesn't seem like anyone has a super lot of interest in it i know people have futures from 40 and 45 from way back i don't i'm just trying to look at it from this week only the 14 to 1 at DraftKings sportsbook right now is you know, it's a good number i've seen as high as 16 but it just doesn't feel like people are betting him and that we'll probably get like an 18 maybe fingers crossed maybe i'll find a boost that we can get that to 20 by the time he's also in the pm am waves so maybe if i just let the the morning ride itself out maybe i'll just naturally go to 22 day of and i can just bet it then but i like scotty sheffler a lot this week i could see myself unless i get too scared by that weather draw locking him in here at the top yeah, there are uh, there are a couple guys who could go out early who could get you a better number on on Scotty Scheffler before he even hits the tee shot on Thursday. And I actually probably prefer betting him outright than taking him in a in a in a DFS in a DraftKings format. You know, we are we have a couple situations here where we have to split hairs at the top, and of course, with the pricing coming out a little bit earlier, it creates uh, some dynamics that we don't normally have on a given week. Scotty's been. Unbelievable. Um, I am a hair worried that he's lost uh, strokes putting at just one of them in three of his last four when he was riding that hot flat stick for basically the the first half of the calendar year. So I'm I'm a little bit worried that um, you know he loses a stroke or two with the putter and that's kind of the demise. But he is he is a golfer who. No matter where he's at, Pat, I look at him like, yeah, he, he's going to make par from here. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, that's the kind of the skill set that that Scotty Scheffler has. And at a U.S. Open, it's it's a very good one to have. It's funny because you even see him last week in Canada and the announcers were kind of trashing him. And I guess I mean, when you're the number one player in the world, you're held to such a different standard. It just doesn't feel like he's the number one player in the world, right? <laughs> It's never felt like he's the number one player in the world because he's, you know, even even after he captured uh, the number one ranking, he kind of gave this ho hum presser like, oh, I just like to play golf and I'm going to go out there. He's not he's not a step on your throat kind of number one golfer like we've seen from John Rahm and obviously Tiger Woods set the gold standard for that for so many years. So, no, it, it doesn't feel like it. And he doesn't have an elite skill set like a Rory McIlroy or he doesn't have the magic beans like Jordan Spieth. It just feels different than a lot of the other number one that we've had in, I don't know, the last decade or so.
you kind of hit on it that it does feel like he's going to make par from anywhere. And that's the kind of player that I want this weekend. Looking back at his tee to green outside of the PGA Championship when he was stuck in the crappy wave and he missed the cut. His only missed cut of the season. Gained 8.7 strokes tee to green at or in Toronto last weekend. Lost a half stroke putting at Charles Schwab. He came second, gained 12.4 total, 11.9 tee to green. Even at the Byron Nelson where he came 15th, 8.7 tee to green. That hasn't gone anywhere. The approach has been immaculate. He's lost strokes around the green just once all season long. The driver, you know he's long. He's not going to be the most accurate, but he's one of the few that can actually dig himself out of that deep rough and still get loft on the ball. You're right. It comes down to his putter, and I'm willing to take the bet that he can figure that out this week because it feels like he is the forgotten man of the top four guys. Yeah, and you probably should be you know, willing to think it's going to come around. He's had such a great year. He's inside the top 40 in strokes game putting, even with the recent, quote, struggles, which really isn't all that bad. I think Scotty's got um, the rare combination. We don't have a lot of players on this tour that have a high floor and a high ceiling. You mentioned it where you know it's only been the one miscut at the PGA Championship, and it took a three-shot wave disadvantage to cause that. Uh, or excuse me, that, that was at the Players' Championship. The PGA Championship, we were on the wrong side of the draw. I think it was a two shot advantage and he also has the four wins so he's got this very very rare high floor high ceiling combination um that is super super scary especially on harder golf courses i'm seeing him projected around 14 percent right now uh, as per fantasy national i think he comes in below that because i think it's just very difficult to construct lineups around him at eleven thousand three hundred, when you can just very easily also pointing out the pga championship he was cuss pick so he was very undercursed that week as long with being on the bad side of the wave justin Thomas is $10,900 coming off you know, a bad final two holes in Canada, but 70 pretty good ones. A the, the last person to win a major championship. He's just a, the cost break from even the $400 could be a lot uh, on this. So I, I like JT. He is my least favorite of the top four guys in pricing though. I just feel like the driving distance is there. The accuracy really is not. And when it comes down to it, I just don't know if he has the same sort of power versus Rory, Rom, and Scheffler to dig himself out of some of these really thick lies. Now, he's very capable of getting it back onto the fairway, getting it up and down from 130 yards. I know he can do that. But it feels like that degree of difficulty is a lot higher than the other guys who might actually be able to get it on the green from some of these lies. So I think you mentioned um, the savings there, the $400 from Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas. And, and I do think that's important because we kind of have to go, this is like when you walk up to the green and look back at the hole and it looks completely different from how you played it. You have to remember that when we, when we get down to the $6,000 range, it's fairly ugly. And when you save $400 or Pat, I'm kind of in the same boat as you where I'm, I'm probably going to save more than that and maybe get 500 from Scotty Scheffler down to John Rahm or even more down to Rory McIlroy. That goes a long way filling out the rest of your lineup. So it's not only just passing up on a guy that I think is – I think he's great and I think he's well-deserving of the price and everything that we've seen, but the extra, the few extra hundred dollars that I will be able to bank with some of these other guys um, has me more excited about the way I can build a lineup as opposed to just plugging in one individual golfer. John Rahm, I like a lot. I really equate him to Scheffler and like as the top two guys that I really prefer this week. I might use some of John Rahm, but I might just go overweight on Scotty Scheffler. But the weather thing, again, is scaring me a little bit. Scheffler and Justin Thomas both appear in what would be classified as the bad wave, where John Rahm gets the good wave. He gets to go out early on Thursday. And now after his press conference on Tuesday, 
everyone in love with John Rahm. I had a professor in college who was from Little Germany, as he called it, Austria. Very eloquent man. And until I saw, I mean, most of the time just in my head, he was the most eloquent second language English speaking person I have ever seen. I don't understand how John Rahm is so eloquent in his second language versus most of these goobers on the PGA Tour. It's outrageous. Uh, and that's also uh, a, a large improvement. Remember when he was like a freshman at Arizona State, it, it, it was nowhere near this. So just in, I don't know what it's been, 10 years, 11 years since since Rom's left Arizona State, something like that. He's been he's been phenomenal. Um, now, I, I'm big in on John Rom here. So zoom out a little bit, not just a, a, a weekly game that we're playing, but at the start of 2022 switches to Callaway loses the ability around the green, trying to figure out his new wedges didn't put particularly well either. He's fixed that he's gained strokes around the green in three of five. He's a positive golfer in that time frame. He's gained on the putting surfaces in four of five. He hasn't lost the ball striking ability. Like I'm, I'm big time in on John Rahm making a run to defend his, uh, his U S open title. I'm with you. He lost Lost strokes off the tee at Memorial, minus 1.4, the first time he dropped strokes to the field with the driver since the 2019 Tour Championship, which is just mind-boggling to think about. And yeah, now that he's cleaned up the short game, he looks like he's in a very good position to go defend his U.S. Open Championship this week. I have nothing bad to say about John Robb. It just boils down to how do I want to construct my teams at the top? I think he's going to be more popular than Scheffler. I have Scheffler slightly ahead of him in my numbers, but not by much. So I think I, if I can get the ownership break on Scheffler. I know that will make my lineups a little bit more unique because I'll have to use less money down at the bottom and I have to go dip into that range. You can still build a little bit more balanced with John Rom, but I think that Scheffler and Rom are the number one and two plays from this area. So I'm completely on board with you. I'm not going to talk anyone out of John Rom. I just have to wait and see if I can get there with him. Maybe I'll split up my shares, go 50-50 and roll it out that way because, sir, I believe I'm going to have 0% Rory McIlroy this week. Terrifying to do, but he's, I mean, Tambo will have a good grasp of this, of what he's going to be in high stakes tournaments, but I think he's going to push 30% here. So do I. I, I think he sucks up a, a ton of ownership here. He has literally everything going for him. One, he's one of the most popular golfers on the planet. He's one of the best golfers on the planet. He comes off a win that everyone saw. And now he goes to a golf course where like, listen, like Rory's been awesome around the greens, like the one deficiency that he's had in the last couple of years that has kind of troubled him at some of these major championships, not really an issue that much anymore. And oh, by the way, because the pricing comes out early, that very public win from last week doesn't even get all that factored in. So it's a perfect storm of all the ownership going to Rory McElroy. If there is one guy, as scary as it sounds, Pat, to fade at the top, it's probably him because I mean, what does he have to, if he finishes T12 and you do play 0% of, of Rory McElroy, you, you have made out like a bandit. That's the whole point behind it. And I have a Rory Rory double from last week and this week. So even if Rory wins, I'm still feeling pretty good about it. Would I be singing a different tune if I didn't have that in my back pocket? Maybe. But I just think game theory wise, there's not a huge amount separating Scheffler, Rom, and Rory, at least in my mind. And if one guy is going to be double the ownership of the other two, or you know, maybe triple Scheffler's and you know, 40% of whatever John Rom's is, I'd just rather use the other two guys for splitting hairs. Yeah, Rory McIlroy maybe wins this golf tournament, I don't know, 7% of the time. That might be generous, uh, maybe eight, maybe 8%, something like that. And 
that it's Scotty Scheffler wins it more than 4%, you know, uh, wins it more than 3% or whatever. So when you start looking at it, at it like that, it, it does not necessarily make sense from a game theory standpoint uh, to play a 30% owned Rory McIlroy. It just, it just doesn't add up. Will tell you that it doesn't feel very good. It feels it's good. It's going to be devastating to sweat because he's probably going to be awesome. He's probably going to be in the mix. He has been all year long. Uh, he has talked a lot about internal motivation, Pat, and how he kind of has to create stuff. And he's got all the motivation in the world right now. It, it will be a devastatingly scary fade of, of Rory McIlroy. But hey, as I always like to point out, I lose money most weeks anyway. I might as well go, might as well go down giving myself a chance at the top because let's say I use Rory and he wins. Well, am I going to get my other five guys right? Who knows? Probably not. So Rory fade for me this week. If you want to play against me and my Rory fading ways, play in the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. Link is down in the description right now. And if you want to get your hands on some of that cold, hard cash, sub to the newsletter and you can find the easiest ways to do so, including a way to stuff the ballot box with one hundred ballots inside the draw you know, very few people are going to do it so you give yourself a big edge in that circumstance hit the newsletter it's down in the description completely free to join cameron smith is up next is anyone playing cameron smith because i ain't no and i actually like cam smith more than most people do here in this situation but it's just it's just too expensive for kind of the the big four at the top i think there's very clearly a big four and cam smith is not one of them i'm willing to forgive his opening round last week where he was six over and didn't make a birdie for like the first time in his life, but he had over the final three days, the eighth best score of anybody at the RBC Canadian. And he's a great short game player. I worry that he sprays it, but you just add it all up, Pat. Unfortunately, the guys that are just a hair more expensive are seemingly way better. And the guys that are less expensive are just as good. It is not a great combination when you start looking at the landscape of the pricing. I think that you have one option or you have four options up here and you probably have to choose one of them or two of them if you want to get real crazy. And Cam Smith is the first one that's probably going to come in at sub 6% ownership in the giant millionaire maker on DraftKings, even lower in high stakes contests. So if you have a feeling about Cam Smith, I would say use him. I have a very negative feeling against him. Even look at his top three finishes this year. Kapalua, the Players Championship, and the Masters. We're talking about three courses that either have gigantic fairways or very limited rough. Like if he's behind a tree on pine straw cam smith has the magic to get it out of there when he has to hack it from 225 away he just he doesn't have the same power as these other guys to get it back out maybe the short game saves him but he'll have to chip and putt like his life depends on it in order to compete this week basically what we saw through two rounds at memorial what he was doing when he was chipping in three times around well what happened when he stopped chipping in every time he, he just plummeted down the leaderboard. I could see that happening again here. I actually thought, thought Southern Hills was a much better setup for him due to its lack of rough in a lot of places, especially Greenside. And let me get your stance on this. When the rough is this thick, presumably, does that help out the better short game players or does it kind of mitigate the circumstances where the best guys can't be as good, thus bringing them closer to the worst guys around the green? I don't think, okay, so I don't believe that it hurts the bad guys. I think it helps 
the no sorry I don't think it hurts the good guys I think it helps the bad guys so I think Cam Smith is going to be you know whether it's all shaved down at Southern Hills or he gets this real thick nasty stuff around the country club I think he's going to be just fine but the guys that struggle around the green generally struggle from those tight lie situations where it's just you have to be so exact so the thicker stuff uh, I mean Victor we'll get to Victor in a second it's it's a perfect example um, you know he plays well at Bay Hill that thick rough around the greens he struggles Struggles a little bit. He actually, the statistically was pretty good at Southern Hills where everything's shaved down, but like it's, it's a completely different ball game. And the guys that are not as proficient around the greens, like a little bit of give, they like a little bit of fluff. They like the ability to kind of slip their, slip their club under the ball a little bit. Well, I think that the decision comes down to one of these next two guys of who you want to roster this week if you want to be different at the top. Because I feel like that's going to be the best way to get contrarian. If you want to use Rory, you probably pair him up with either Colin Morikawa at $10,000 or Victor Hovland at $9,700. they are both bad around the green. It's Morikawa especially lately. But every time that Morikawa gains strokes putting, he essentially finishes inside the top five. He finished inside the top five last year at the U.S. Open and lost strokes putting. And I feel like this is a better setup for him than Torrey Pines was. And it's not like he's not striking the ball well. He's not striking the ball elite. And same as Vic, when we really boil down to it. These guys are not at their peak at the moment. If you had to choose between the two of them or maybe it's someone else that you would want to go with but I mean I'm always team Morikawa you're always team Hovland what are your expectations for these two guys this week yeah I think they're they're kind of similar but different right like I think Morikawa right he has to his path to winning is gain a couple of strokes with the putter and if you think that's gonna happen great uh Victor's is don't play yourself out of it around the greens and if you think he could do that that's that's great I think realistically uh if I remove all my biases you've got a situation where Colin Morikawa goes to uh one of the shorter U.S. Open venues that we can get right this is 500 yards shorter than Torrey Pines it's, it's not Aaron Hills it's not some of these massive setups that you could get I actually think that um you know some of the creativity that's going to be required this week is is going to be more open championship than us open just compared to other usga setups i still think it's going to be narrow fairways thick rough it's going to have the fingerprint of the usga on it i just think this is probably one of the better setups he could get so if you if you made me choose and i removed everything i i I know and love about these guys uh, i i believe colin morikow is the more likely option to win now he is cuss one and done for the week that's never a good sign i agree with you i think morikow is the superior play the one thing that i don't think is going to be true about like an open championship comparison is how these greens are seemingly protected that if you try to get it up there and you miss where do you think Vic is better from the deep stuff or in the bunker the deep stuff yeah Yeah, it's the 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 bunker stuff has given him has given him issues um both statistically and anecdotally having just kind of thick I, I just think of Bay Hill a lot right where from from the thick rough he's fine you start getting into bunkers and uh, false fronts and things like that, it gets a bit hairy. Yeah, so I think I'm on Team Morikawa here, which means you should probably play Victor Hovland. If you know, we're both on Team Morikawa, along with Cust, and Victor's just being left by the wayside. Both these guys, again, project for under 6% ownership because Xander Shoffley is right there, and he's going to suck up a ton. He's got the good wave. He's never finished worse than 7th at a U.S. Open. He comes in trending in a very good spot right now across the board. Can you talk? You can't just fade everyone who's going to be popular this week. I'm going to fade Rory. Does that mean I can fade Xander? Do I want to use Xander? Is he sort of like Scheffler where you know what his floor is, but he doesn't have that same sort of upside, but for his price point, it's still really good? Right. I think I would pass on Rory play 
Xander. I, I mean, the the U.S. Open finishes are insane. What he's done at at this event, and yes, he's got that T twelve floor, uh, but he's got like the T three ceiling, right? Like that's the most likely range of outcomes, seemingly for Xander Shoffley. There's not a flaw in his game. Um, there's really not a bad thing I can say. I think we just look at it from a roster construction standpoint. I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is play Rory and Xander. That doesn't work, but playing Xander without Rory or maybe even vice versa, uh, a lot more appealing. Jordan Spieth in the good wave is up next, or at least again, the seemingly good wave of the AM PM Xander's in that wave. Morikawa is in that wave. Rory and Rahm are all in that wave. Hovland and Smith are not. They're along with Justin Thomas and Scheffler in the PM AM draw right now. I love Speeth this week. Uh, I will be using Speeth. I will eat that shock. It's probably why I'll end up passing on Xander Shoffley. I just like the way, I mean, let's just remove his driving. Everything else, I like about it. I'm very encouraged that he kind of found his chipping and found his putting at Memorial. That was encouraging to me. But the driving has been really good. And if he's going to do that at a U.S. Open and the winning score is going to be like minus four, yeah, give me some Jordan Speeth in that spot. Yeah, we're aligning a little bit too much here, Pat. This is getting this is getting eerie here, but you're you're right. We're seeing a version of Jordan Spieth where he's gaining multiple strokes off the tee for each of his last five or six starts. He's been one of the better ball strikers on tour for the last half a year. He lost the I mean, he was literally in the midst of his worst and still is his worst putting season of his career, but now he's gained in three of his last four, including five at the Memorial. You come into a, a major championship uber confident, one that's not overly long, one that with chocolate drops and bunkers and all these awkward fescue spots around these teeny tiny greens, there's a chance this turns into a, a chipping contest. Uh, okay, I want Jordan Spieth in my chipping contest, right? I mean, I think he covers kind of both paths here, Pat. The total driving path, obviously not as long as as the big boys at the top, but but playing it that way. Or if we get into a situation where this is one green side, that also helps Jordan Speed. I just think he has two clear paths to victory when a lot of these guys have zero or one path to victory. How about Dustin Johnson? Because for years, you'd just be like, hey, Dustin Johnson, it's the U.S. Open. Let's use him because he's going to be good. Now, obviously, he's no longer playing on the PGA Tour. He's playing on the Live Tour, where he was minus one in their first event. Pretty good for old DJ. Not that he's really concerned about money at this point, but no one is using DJ this week. Like, legit nobody. He might be 3% owned. He didn't look bad in the Live event. Can you leverage yourself with a 3% Dustin Johnson? Would you feel okay doing that? Like, would are you going to do it? Because I can't make up my mind. Uh, no, he, he, he will not be a part of, of my player pool. He is still on the PGA tour, uh, having his worst around the green season, basically ever his worst putting season, basically ever. I don't know necessarily know how to reconcile the fact that he gained seven strokes over 54 holes of a live golf event (laughs) where the average OWGR was 300. Like, I don't know how to reconcile that. Is that good? He was clearly the best player in the field. He finished eighth. I don't know. So it's just kind of a really awkward situation for a guy that um, he's had a couple of good finishes. He made a good run at the match play, but it's, it hasn't been a lot of great golf for Dustin already this year. And I'm, I'm not sure this is the place for him to get right. 
When we talk about the bad wave, Dustin Johnson is in it, as are nine of the ten live players in the tournament this week. Now, some people theorize that, hey, if that's going to be the bad wave, stick all these losers over there. Or it's maybe you don't want guys uh, in the gallery who are really drunked up harassing these guys late on a Friday. Uh, I'm always I'm always in for a, a good conspiracy theory or something like that, but uh, I don't think that the gallery cares all that much. I don't think half the people out there are going to even understand what's happening. I, I'm I'm with you. I spoke about I was on uh, Andy's show last night and we were talking about that because there's just been this like can can Phil hold up to the harassment he's going to get? It's like people will probably be cheering for Phil. They they will. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not golf Twitter. It's uh, people who go to major championships and see Phil Mickelson, and they're probably going to say very nice things to him. I I can't imagine these guys are going to be harassed or heckled in any meaningful manner. Will Zalatoris is up next. He's going to carry some ownership, but not as crazy as Xander or Spieth at this point. He's 31-9300 on DraftKings, plays in the AM to kick off his tournament. I mean, at this point, is is there a safer play on the board than Zalatoris in a major? <laughs> wow, yeah, um, seemingly not, right? He's kind of he's kind of taken the the crown, at least as the prince of majors from from Brooks, who's you know struggled as of late. But yeah, it, it's it's so fascinating when you think about who the best players on tour are or what the elite skill sets are, and the elite skill sets are generally the ball striking skill sets, and that is always going to be a huge um, edge and a huge advantage at a major championship. You know, the, the small greens, they have a ton of undulation in them, which sometimes the bad putters like that. It's a little bit easier to read than it's some of the subtle stuff. I'm not saying that uh, Zalatoris is going to go out there and, and, and gain eight strokes with the putter, but he doesn't have to. He just has to be the ball striking version of himself that we are now going on two years, Pat, right? His the Basically, the way he got his card was at winged foot. Like, he finishes in the top 10 there parlays that into a bunch of other uh, top tens and earns enough points to earn his tour card. Like it, it's because he plays well at major championships. So I have little concern to think that, that, that that's going to discontinue at any point. And the nice thing about him, at least over his past five starts is, you know what you're getting from Zalan Torres. You're either going to get a missed cut or a guy who's in the contention to the very end. Fifth at Memorial missed cut at the Charles Schwab. Second at the PGA championship missed cut at the Byron Nelson. Sixth at the masters like that that's what i want i want you to to leave me being like ah, i can't believe i took this guy on friday evening or give me a real sweat all the way till sunday that's where i want to be so i'm in on zalatoris not my favorite play of the nine thousand dollar range well i'll tell you patrick cantley is not my favorite play but again like some of the other low owned players that we were talking about cantley's not going to come in that low because the stats are still going to continue to love patrick cantley and the results love patrick cantley just not in the two biggest tournaments that we or even the three biggest tournaments he was okay at the Masters, missed the cut of the players, missed the cut of the PGA Championship as an uber popular play on DraftKings. But you just go look at the other tournaments, it's top five city. And that's really where he's been lingering for the past two years. I just don't like rooting for Patrick Cantlay, so I'm not going to use him. I bet he comes in around 10% ownership, though. He's in the good wave. Are you going to bite? Yes. So also the dirty little secret about that miscut the players championship is that was from the good side of the draw. So it was like <laughs> actually way, way worse than that. But, uh, you know, don't, don't worry about that. Listen, I, um, I'll, I'll step on the rake, you know, I'll, I'll just be the cartoon character who steps on the rake and gets smacked in the face over and over again on Patrick Cantley. I just kind of refuse to believe that a guy who's so talented 
uh, on the PGA Tour and also in big events. It's not like he only wins the 3M Open. Sorry, 3M, but like he's got playoff wins. He's won the Memorial. I mean, these are big time events and he's got a skill set that should translate very well to major championships. I refuse to believe that when he shows up at a major uh, he's shaking in his boots and he can't figure his stuff out. And that's the, I, I just, I just think he's on the wrong side of variance and it is a matter of time before he starts uh, really offering some good returns at these majors. Never missed a cut in five U.S. Open, so that's a positive for Patrick Cantlay. And we don't want to see you walking around like you're Robert Underdunk Williger and stepping on them rakes. We just don't, just maybe he won't put it in the bunker and maybe there won't be a problem for you and there'll be no rakes to speak of. But I just don't think I can get there on Cantlay because I would prefer Hideki, who I have tracking at similar ownership. Maybe a little bit higher, but another guy who has just really stepped up his game at U.S. Open. So he's won a Masters and he just sort of feels out of sight, out of mind at the moment he was hurt for a little bit he had the wd that everyone just submarined a ton of people he got dq'd at the memorial the last time that we saw him but on paper i feel like decky sets up almost as well as cantlay does and i just prefer hideki in a major championship to cantlay yeah he is he is uh perpetually undervalued in in our world he's having a phenomenal year he has those bizarre you know injury wds and then that weird painted his club face DQ that I've never seen before in my entire life. It's unbelievable. But um, yeah, the, the skill sets are phenomenal. And he's essentially avoided the entirety of the live golf versus PGA tour conversation. There's been no, no oxygen wasted on Hideki Matsuyama in the last couple of months, despite how well he's been playing. So I I'm with you, Pat. I don't think that this necessarily is a great or a poor setup for him. I think it's a very fair setup for him. And he is likely to be uh, very under-owned, especially as we throw a bunch more casual people into the mix this week. Made his cut in the past five U.S. Opens, including a runner-up in 2017, has gained at least 5.9 strokes on approach in each of the past three U.S. Opens. And the putter... It's been a lot better over the past five months than it was the five months before. Like He's not a train wreck on the greens anymore. That's always a positive sign when you're Hideki Matsuyama. So he has more interest for me than Patrick Cantlay does. And if I was Greg Norman and I was running this live tour, I'm not. He would be the guy I'd be going after right now. Get a, if you can get Japan's biggest golfer on your side, think about the international TV rights you could get out of that. Well, that was always the argument that was around if they're actually trying to grow the game, uh, just buy the Asian tour and give Hideki $500 million and just watch the next 20 years of you turning into the, the greatest golf organization in the world. So like that, I, I agree with you investing in the global aspect of it, especially in Asia would, would, would be phenomenal. I, I'm not sure that's necessarily the game plan, but that's, that's what I would do if I actually wanted to grow the game. The best play on the slate, although he is in the bad weather draw, I think the Shane Lowry at $9,000 is where you want to be. He could be the first man in your lineups this week. He could be the third man in your lineups this week at $9,000. I bet him to win with the top eight each way at 40 to 1, currently 35 to 1 at DraftKings Sportsbook. If I hadn't had the 40, I'd bet the 35. That's how confident I feel in Mr. Lowry. Although he's an open champion, I do feel like his game translates better to the U.S. Open, as crazy as that sounds. He's long, fairly straight off the tee. He's very good out of the thick rough. He's very good around the greens. He putts sometimes. 
I mean, and every time that he's won, it's been against like an elite field of the best guys around. He won the Bridgestone. He won the Open Championship. He won a race to Dubai uh, Middle Eastern event at the same time with all the best players on the European Tour. He doesn't win often, but he's the best player on tour this season who hasn't won. And he is just constantly lurking. He even played pretty well in Canada. Just no one really seemed to notice or care because he wasn't in that final group that everyone was paying attention to. Uh, well, it wasn't the last time we saw a U.S. Open in the Northeast, but when it was at Oakmont, Oakmount, when Oakmont, Oakmount. Oakmont, when DJ won, I mean, he was the guy who was winning most of that U.S. Open. I just love how his game translates. If I'm going to eat a big bar of chalk this week, it is going to be Shane Lowry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Having the best driving season of his career, having basically the second best approach season of his career, best around the green, best putting. He's, he's doing it all. He's having the best season of his career. It's turning into results. Um, I talked a lot about kind of creativity around the greens. You're going to be stuck in some really kind of crappy situations and some awkward ones, um, especially if you get stuck in the, the chocolate drops or, or bunker bunkers that can get increasingly deep. I, I trust Shane Lowry around the greens. And I also, uh, I was tracking him quite hard last week at the RBC Canadian Open. Finished 10th, and that was him. Uh, I'm pretty sure he cold-topped one on 15 from the middle of the fairway. Ended up taking a bogey. I mean, that's a two-shot swing right there. We're probably talking about a, a, a different scenario if Shane Lowry ends up making a birdie on that hole. Instead, I'm, I'm with you, Pat. It's been a banner year, and this is... Like St. Andrews will be a good spot for him, but this will be this is like a great setup for him. He was third T to Green last week, eleven point nine strokes gained T to Green, only behind Rory and Justin Thomas. Dude just wasn't making putts. Sometimes it ha- as someone who bets on Colin Morikawa a lot, I know what it's like to watch your guy who you've bet on not make putts. So I'm prepared for it. But the long iron, 175 plus, it's him and Vic in this field who were the two best guys. Out of the sand, he's top five. In bogey avoidance, he's number two. Like this is what you want to do at a U.S. Open. This is perfectly tailored. Hopefully the weather draw doesn't take him out. But fortunately, it's pretty good in the weather. He's also playing, yeah. uh, Sky did an incomplete run of every hole that's played over par per round so far this season, and no player was better than Shane Lowry on holes that play over par through this PGA Tour season, and it wasn't particularly close. If you want to see the full list of that, you can check out the newsletter from Monday evening. It's all up on the Mayo Substack. Find it down in the description where you can find all the giveaway information as well, but that chart is in there, and Lowry's just been amazing on those holes. Yeah, he's probably going to get 17 holes this week that play over par as well. So probably a pretty pretty good stat to to look at there. Yeah, you you ran through the bogey avoidance, you ran through everything. It's it's so so good, which probably means he misses the cut. But otherwise, on paper, it's a great play. Yeah, hundred percent misses the cut when I'm like all in on a guy. Yeah, that, that never really turns out too well. It worked well for Rory and me last week. There's no way it happens two weeks in a row, right? <laughs> no, no way. No, no possible way. <laughs> You can golf with any set of clubs, really. But when you get that iron, wood, driver, putter that's just right, it makes the whole experience so much better. The same can be said about the cocktail you choose to toast the 122nd U.S. Open. Technically, you can drink anything. But for the true golf experience, make a Dewar's Lemon Wedge, the official cocktail of the 122nd U.S. Open. It's what fans and spectators are drinking on the course right now. You can make one yourself with Dewar's 12-year-old lemonade and club soda garnish with a lemon wedge with a golf tee through it. A clean one obviously. Find the recipe at doers.com, then invite your best golf buddies over to watch the U.S. Open with the cocktail that's refreshing, delicious, and just right. 
for an afternoon of the greatest game on earth played by the greatest players of our generation. Here's to a great tournament from Dewars, the official Scotch whiskey of the U.S. Open. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I needed something for breakfast that wasn't going to weigh me down the rest of the day, but had the nutrients I need that gave me energy to help me yell into a microphone as much as possible, or if I want to go to the gym a little bit later on in the day, that I would be feeling good and feeling refreshed and not feeling logy and bogged down like if I have a bunch of fat in the morning or a bunch of carbs. And Athletic Greens has provided that for me. It's been fantastic. That is why I take it every single day. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help start your day right. And this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, your aging, all of these things. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, 
paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, Athletic Greens is going to be okay for you. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than a cold brew habit. And Athletic Greens was created when the founder had a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement regime to recover. It cost him $100 a day. Athletic Greens, $3 a day. And with the habits that you're going to break by, whatever you buy in the morning, you're also taking care of yourself which is absolutely huge. And it already has over 7,000 five-star reviews online. It's recommended by professional athletes. It's recommended by leading health experts. And right now, it's a time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mayo. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Joaquin Neiman is next. I really like Neiman, but now we're getting to the point where I've told you the guys that I really like from above $9,000, and there's a bunch of guys in the eights that I like. I like Neiman, but not as much as some of the other players. At $8,900, I think it's a fair price. I think he's a good play. He's in the good wave. Probably just not going to get there on him, though. Yeah, there's. I think there's 10 guys in the $8,000 range, and I think I like nine of them. So <laughs> this is kind of just uh, we're going to have to make some hard decisions here. The good thing about Neiman, if you're looking to invest, is – um, he's starting to find that putter again. You know, he's gained two strokes putting in each of his last four. If you remember back like 12 months ago, he was a top 10 putter and then he kind of lost that, but we're starting to see it come back around. Um, obviously very talented golfer with a lot of upside, but this, this 8k range is incredibly packed. I like the bottom of it a bit more than I like the top of it. And the 8k range is flat, but pretty juicy ownership because a lot of people are opting for this balance build this week on DraftKings where, I mean, now that Rory is really getting a lot of steam following that victory and maybe ends up being the highest owned guy, you'll probably see a lineups that just go Rory and then three of these 8k guys or starting with Xander or Spieth and then immediately down to Neiman. Like Neiman's going to carry ownership he'll be somewhere between 11 and 15 percent like a lot of the guys in the 8,000 range but if we're picking nits and I do like him at hard courses ideally I should really like him this week but I see Cameron Young at $8,800 right below him and I like Cameron Young I wouldn't say a whole lot more but I like him a lot this week well, I think, I think what Cameron Young has done really speaks for itself. You know, he has had great finishes at a bunch of different golf courses, whether it's Torrey Pines or whether it's Harbortown or like, it's just, he's done it all over the place. Riviera, uh, the game, the game travels. What I also think is very rare and hard to find, uh, in, in the world of golf is a guy who mashes it off the tee like Cam Young does and gains a ton of strokes off the tee, but he's also very deft around the grease. He's got a great touch and those two things do not go together those pat are also the two things that a usga setup generally asks for which is kind of fun especially when you get these greens that are only like 4400 square feet on average so this is um you know guys missed his, his last two cuts at, at us opens but this is a different golfer on a really really good setup for his skill sets it is i think that final round at memorial when he was what like 16 over or something insane like that 
I think it just really kind of, it felt like it deflated, it didn't, I don't think it deflated him, but it deflated people's opinion of him so much that I actually think he comes in under what Neiman comes in. And I just, objectively, 1v1, I like him better, and I think he's going to come in lower own. So that's where I'm at with him right now. And you kind of talked about it. I talked about it with Lowry. Uh, when we speak about Rom, he's going to be there. But when it comes to the combination of both distance and accuracy, that's where Cam Young really comes in. I'm trying to find the stat right now. He's one of three players to be in had the top 40 of distance and accuracy gained over the past 50 rounds. Rom, Hovland, Cam Young. Those are the three. It's a great list. And it's a great list for uh, for a U.S. Open setup. That's, that's what you're looking for, these kind of total drivers. I mean, just look back at Brooks twice, Dustin Johnson, Gary, Gary Woodland, <laughs> uh, John Rahm. Uh, like, I mean, it is, it's drivers. It's drivers. That's that's what you get here. And, and they're they're elite. He lost 5.8 strokes on approach in the final round at Memorial. Ask anyone who rostered him at very chalk ownership at Memorial how that turned out for your DraftKings scheme. Not great. So I think that might suppress his ownership a little bit. But he had gained on approach in nine of his previous 12 rounds before that. Like, I think he's still more like he's that player than the guy that we saw on Sunday who just, he had, he had a case of the golf sads on the go. It's, it's never fun to watch when that happens. <laughs> Yeah, forgive quickly. And uh, Mirfield Village is capable of doing that to a lot of guys. Matt Fitzpatrick on the greens, guys do it on the. It's just it'll 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 get away from you very quickly around there. Brooks Kepka at five percent ownership, in or out? I'm out. Also out, but I wish I was in, but I can't get there. Yeah, I can't pull the trigger on it either. He's in the bad wave. I mean, then maybe that's a, a feather to put in your cap. He just doesn't look like Brooks Kepka. Like if we were if we're not going to use Dustin Johnson, I don't see how we can use Brooks Kepka. Like, it's the same case for both of them. That like, yeah, historically, they're great at U.S. Opens, obviously. And you know, listen, Brooks showed up last year in no form and came in second at the PGA Championship. Yeah, dude was injured for like three months. He'd been playing well before that. When was the last time Brooks played like well? Valspar? And it was still like kind of mediocre. Yeah, and that's what I hate is he's kind of away from the DNA. He's not driving it nearly as well as he as he once did, right? That that total driving idea that we talk about that that gets Brooksy to a win, a win, and then almost defends his title for a, a third year. It, it's not there, and that's kind of the big missing puzzle piece. And same with DJ. So you're right. If you if you write off DJ, it's hard to uh, with a straight face say no, no, no. I think I think Brooks is a good option. If you want to say there's been no players better at the U.S. Open over the past five years and go with Brooks, I can't begrudge that because I'm going to be sitting here on Sunday being like, man, I could have had Brooks at 5% ownership and I didn't take it. I'm an idiot. I I'm prepared for that to happen, but I, I just can't lean into it. I'm looking at my numbers right now over the past 36 round. He is the worst player by a decent margin of anyone over $8,000. Oh yeah, I believe I believe that. I mean, it's just it, you you mentioned it. The T twelve at Valspar, the T sixteen at Honda, and then he popped out of nowhere to finish third at Phoenix, and that's it for a like a long time. Basically, since last year's Open Championship, when you start comparing it to what you would expect out of results from Brooks Kepka. So uh, then you look at you know missing the cut at the Masters and the players. It's just boy, it it starts to get ugly pretty quick. Well, I think he's going to have a good time making us all feel very stupid come Sunday because, again, that's how this works out. Billy Horschel's next. He is in the good wave, AM, PM. 
I just never really like Billy Ho at U.S. Opens. He played well at Chambers Bay, which really has no correlation to any U.S. Open that we've seen any time since or before. Other than that, he's been pretty mediocre, honestly, in majors over the course of his career. Is he a new guy? He's got three pretty big wins over the past two years between Memorial, the match play, and Wentworth. I just worry that he doesn't have that total driving game. He's got the fairways figured up. The distance, it's a little bit tougher. Yeah, and... It's been it's been an impressive run for Billy. People aren't giving him the respect, but uh, I will not give him the respect here by using him in any um, substantial way. It's just yeah, it, this, there's a reason that for the last I don't know ten or twelve years, Billy Horschel has struggled struggled in major championships. I just don't necessarily think the game that he has necessarily translates all that well. But he's going to find some really gritty wins, and he's going to get a couple uh, you know every eighteen months. But I I would be very surprised to see him win this U.S. Open at the Country Club. I have him right around 8% ownership in the Millionaire Maker. Is he the high-end Kevin Kisner, like the luxury vehicle Kevin Kisner? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't I don't mind that comp. Yeah, I could get behind that. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, like he does everything Kiz does well. He's a bit of a grinder, a bit of a, a salty personality, but he has more upside than Kisner. Maybe an Open Championship is in the cards for him at some point because – it does feel like that's where all the best of his game could come out. Yeah, super grindy, right? And just like uh, doing this, he, he can play a lot of different shots. I think he's a, a quite a creative golfer. Um, so an open championship where he can kind of just play it out of the short stuff and uh, get his ball up near the green and then sneak up on it. Like I, I, yeah, I think that's a better spot for him. It's not so much that I don't like Billy Horschel this week at $8,600. It's just everyone that he is around is you can make a far better case for like if he was $7,700 where he probably should be then I think it's a completely different story and he's one of the most popular guys on this slate but now we get to Matthew Fitzpatrick when I did the show with Raza uh, and uh, Tambo on the weekend it was setting up pretty well that Matt Fitzpatrick was going to be the highest owned guy on the slate by a pretty wide margin he was currently winning the Canadian Open as we were talking but then he faltered a little bit on Saturday fell down the board and you really haven't heard the narrative as much this week that oh yeah in the 2013 US Amateur at the Country Club he won it's just weird to me that it's flipped a little bit. I thought he was going to be like 27% ownership. I don't think it's going to be that way now because you have these other guys around that same level that are just building up a lot of steam and you can't use everyone. So I'm guessing he still comes in around like 17, 18%. I don't know how I feel about him though. I still think I like the other guys better. Yeah, the bottom of the $8,000 range is absolutely stacked. There's just a, a ton of guys here that are that's going to catch everybody's attention. I'm probably more bullish on Matt Fitzpatrick than you are. I mean, he gained five strokes off the tee last week more than Rory, and that is not becoming uncommon. He gained 4.8 at the Wells Fargo, 4.6 at the Masters. He's turned into a really good driver of the golf ball. And, oh, by the way, still has a very solid short game. And when things get difficult that's kind of when matt fitzpatrick comes comes out in his best form i don't care that nine years ago he won here like i don't care at all this course has gone through a lot of changes and it doesn't mean anything to me i like matt fitzpatrick a lot this week because he is showing me uh that he's just piling up top tens in all these great fields and doing it in a way that's super sustainable 
Checks a few boxes in terms of trend line for what people have done at majors so far since the U.S. Open got bumped behind the PGA Championship, kept its own spot, but the PGA Championship moved to May, that the winners have primarily had like a top 15 or a top 10 finish in one of the year's two first majors. Obviously, he was in contention at the PGA Championship. He was 14th at the Masters. He has some great performances. 10th miscut, 5th second are his past four appearances. He's gained off the tee and on approach and all of those, at least five strokes putting and three of those four events i don't know what i'm so hesitant about about matthew fitzpatrick and why i really want to play daniel berger more than him because i love daniel i bet daniel berger at 66 to 1 like i love him this week okay i bet i have a 75 to 1 from like three weeks ago on daniel berger so i'm i'm also in on berger but um yeah fitzy fitzy's fitzy's a good call but berger has seemingly shaken off those injury concerns right he was dealing with those with the back trouble and now we're starting to see him get back into the mold of a golfer that you want to see from daniel berger which is uh you know pile up strokes on approach see if you can find a hot putter but generally have no flaws in your game when he's going his best he's kind of one of those guys who gains across the board and he's been low-key very good at major championships in the last couple of years i i'm with you i'm, I'm hoping that berger can make up pick make a pretty deep run this week and it's a good Good setup for him. Like last year was very long for him, obviously, because he's not a very deep driver of the ball. He's around just slightly below average, but one of the more accurate players on the PGA Tours. Very rarely misses left as well. I want to get your insights to that when you see the course, because I've been told by multiple people now who have either caddied at the course, members at the course, or have been there a lot, that if you're going to miss, you kind of want to miss on the right. It just creates a lot of an easier path for you in getting to the green, and he he's number one in left rough avoidance of any player in this field. And if he can keep the putting going, like he, I mean, 6.6 strokes at a memorial, that's a that's a pipe dream but i don't need him losing seven strokes on the green like he did at the pga championship like two strokes game putting i think we can work with that and he could potentially win if he keeps up this iron play and hitting a bunch of fairways and you know two of the four past u.s opens he's come inside the top 10 he's made the cut in each of the past four i think his game is just perfectly suited for a course like this can he win i mean that's a big ask at the same time i think that he's right in that range he's the right skill set the right age that he could potentially break through here and claim his first major championship. Then you have Sam Burns, who's next. He's really the one, I think, that is detracting from Matthew Fitzpatrick at the moment, where everyone before last week was just like, Matt Fitzpatrick, Matt Fitzpatrick, Matt Fitzpatrick. And then Sam Burns just once again just pops up on the leaderboard like, man, this guy's good. He's there every single week. Uh, If you had to fade either Fitzpatrick or Burns, who would it be? Uh, It would probably be... uh... Well, we think Burns is going to be a little bit more popular. What, how, how do you think their their ownership's going to shape up? I, I think it's going to be Fitzpatrick, then Burns, then Homa and Finau, then Berger. But all within like 12% to 18%. That could shake out either way. So I would probably, uh, as much as I love Sam Burns, I think he's a, the modern prototype winner on tour. I'd probably fade him. I just love the way Fitzy gets going in these really tough uh, conditions. But the not, Burns is kind of like Patrick Cantlay in the same way that he's had a lot of success, not as much as Patrick on tour, but hasn't done much at major championships. Now, we did just see his best finish ever, a T20 at the PGA Championship. And I'm, 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 I want to buy stock in like the next, four or five years of Sam Burns. That's how excited I am. I 
will probably not be on him this week with some of the other options in the 8K that I like a bit more. I'm leaning the same way you are on Sam Burns. However, I can see him coming back, coming back to bite me in the ass. The only one for sure that I know that I want to play of this group is Berger. So I can be sold either way, whether it be on Fitz, whether it be on Burns, or even Tony Finau. He gets the bad wave along with Sam Burns, the PMAM. If anyone's ownership secretly gets out of control, I feel like it's going to be his. Like, we're going to look up on Thursday morning. It's like, oh, 24% Finau. Huh. Wish I didn't play that guy. I wouldn't even... I wouldn't be surprised at all, right? I, I'm not a I'm not one of these Tony Finau truthers, right? I don't I don't invest in him on a regular basis, but it is easy to see a golfer who plugged his leaks. He was hemorrhaging strokes around the green for the majority of of this year so far. Now he's all of a sudden figured it out, right? He's gained strokes around the green in five straight. He's figured out the putter. He's gained strokes with the putter in seven of eight. It's turning into actual results because sometimes, Pat, we see that and it's still like, oh, well, he finally got a putting week and he finished T27. I don't care. No, no, no. Tony Finau's putting in results runner up last week to Rory McIlroy, where he gained 18 strokes, 18 strokes, Pat, that would have won 94 of the last 100 PGA tour events. But Rory sniped him by two finishes T four at the Charles Schwab. I mean, like I'm, I'm in on fee now. And those are not words that I say often. I think that he sets up perfectly for this course. He has a good U S open track record. I just worry that he ends up like besides Rory, I could see him being the highest owned guy now. I, you know, I, with, with, without much difference between him, because it'd be one thing if he was the highest owned guy and you look five players north of him, five players south of him, and there was just no one. I would understand right. that. But I look just north of him, and I think you can make a very compelling case that the three guys above him are way, but not way better, but better than him, or just look one guy below him and say, hey, that guy's much better too. Yeah, this is, this is really the most fascinating. Like this five or six golfer range probably decides a lot of a lot of gpps you're either going to get a very popular guy who misses the cut or underperforms or you're going to have one of these guys snap off and win the thing or finish second like th- this is easily to me the x factor range of how all these contests are decided how many you know when sky sends out the most duped lineups of the week yeah. Let, let me throw a guess at what the most duped lineup might be because it's always one you're like not really expecting and it usually doesn't have like the expensive high-end guy. It's usually a balance build. Lowry, Fitzpatrick, Berger, Burns, Finau, and Sung J.M. <laughs> yep. There it is. <laughs> Tell Sky, uh, call off the tweet. We don't need it anymore. We just got the uh, we just got the most duped lineup. Yeah, and and for good reason, right? They're all going to be very popular options. You can afford to get them in and everybody's going to build it the same way. I think... I think, I mean, this is more of a Tambo conversation for tomorrow because this is really what he digs into when he's building 150 lineups or entering these gigantic high-stakes GPPs. But do you think there's, like, you're probably going to have to fade three of these guys, right? Realistically, um, yeah. Yeah, probably, unless you wanted to get, no, you're going to have to fade three of these guys. So I think I'm good with fading Finau because I do want to use Max Homa at $8,100. And everything you said about Burns, I think, applies to Homa. I think his variance is way higher than someone like Sam Burns, where Burns is a bit more consistent than Homa, although the putters really come along for Max Homa lately. And just you look at the big-time wins that he has. I think he's – I mean, the consistency has been there for him all season long. It just doesn't feel that way. Like, his Burns just storms out of nowhere and ends up winning tournaments. But long course – 
you know, he can win there, whether it be Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow or at the Riv or an easier type of course like the Fortinet or a shorter hard course like the Wells Fargo this year at TPC Potomac. It feels like he has the all around game. And every time recently that you think that he's going to shoot himself out of it, he just all of a sudden recovers. He's a great scrambler. He's a great scrambler. He shows up when uh, fields get very, very strong, when golf courses get very difficult. That's not been a detriment to Max Homa's game. What I also like is we had him on the, the first cut pot, and he talked a lot about trying to improve his around the green play. He was very aware that that was something that was that was really holding him back, and you're now actually seeing some tangible gains. He's gained strokes around the green in three of well it's three of six but the three that he lost were kind of big boys but he's not necessarily always chipping himself out of it you're kind of seeing the the fruits of of his labor kind of come in here and when you start to see that it's generally a very good sign of a natural progression which um you know max homa is the poster boy for natural career progression seemingly getting better every week and every every month of his career I know this is more of a let's yell at Tambo thing for this, but let's try to rank these five guys one through five. So you have Fitz, Berger, Burns, Finau, and Homa. I'm going to go Berger, Homa, Fitz, Finau, Burns. All right, I'll go Corey Connors. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't want to get into a situation (laughs) where I got yelled at. Okay, uh, I will go, boy, this is really hard. I will say, I'll go Fitzpatrick. I will go Finau, number two, uh, Berger, number three, Burns, number four, Homa, number five. Okay. Or you can pivot from all of them and use a 2% Tyrrell Hatton, who royally fucked me last week at the Canadian Open. Yeah, that he has yet to find a golf course on planet Earth that he enjoys, that he enjoys playing. Hey, he, um, you know what? He likes Bay Hill. He does like Bay Hill. He actually came out of nowhere and played well at Bay Hill this year, which which makes a lot of sense. He burned me as well. Um, I I think with the just sheer n- number of great options that are right above him, there is little chance that I that I get here. Um, you start to look at the approach play, which he's now lost in four of six. The ball striking is not as strong as it used to be. He's a bit more reliant on the short stuff. I I I worry. I worry kind of longer term about about Terrell Hatton. I do as well. When he rose to number four in the world rankings a few years back, a lot of it was predicated that he was doing all the same stuff now that he was doing then in terms of what he did well, but his long irons were immaculate at the time. Essentially from 175 plus, he was lights out. Over the past 36 rounds, he's 101st in this field, 175 to 200. He's 55th from 200. Those were his calling cards when he was at his peak. And he's still getting priced like he's still somewhat like those guys. And I buy into him like he's still one of those guys as well. And because you see the flash once every few months, and you're like, oh yeah, Hatton's really good. He can win tournaments. And then he just, he lets you down. I, I don't think he's a horrible pivot play this week amongst these five other guys. But I think you're right. With the talent that are right above him, I think you can just pick two of those five, move on your way, and you're going to have some tough choices as a fade. If I'm going to get contrarian at low ownership, I'd rather do it in the 7K range rather than the 8K range because I think you have similar types of decisions versus chalky players, and I think that the opportunity cost is a lot lower once you get $500 below in the salary. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I like that. The seven, the seven K range is fascinating. That's like the first real massive range that we get to. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things to consider here. Let's, let's do it. Let's get to the sevens. Bryson. Yes or no? No. Yeah. It's, a hard. it's he's, he's not playing well. And this is, this is arguably like one of the worst USGA setups he could ask for. 
it's it's funny because uh, you, you started to think in your mind, it's like, well, could he just bomb and gouge this place? And then you look at the green complexes and you're like, nope, no running the ball up on this one. And the other problem is uh, winged foot was six inch rough, whether you were one yard off the fairway or 30 yards off the fairway. <laughs> There's like fescue and other crap that you're going to have to deal with if you're very wayward. And I, I think you need to be creative around the greens and all his wedges are the same length. Like, no, this is, this is, I believe, like one of the worst possible USGA setups. Corey Connors is also $7,900. I like Connors a lot. He was third here when Fitzpatrick won the U.S. Amateur in 2013, and he just continues to play great golf. He he does have, like, if he's ever going to win a major, I know he's played, not that he's won one PGA Tour, but I don't think he's going to win a major. But if he does, it feels like the U.S. Open is the track for him. He's so good ball striking. The around the green has actually kind of improved for him, which is kind of shocking. Still can't putt, but these are really small greens, probably very few three putts on the card, and maybe, I don't know, he just has an eye for this one. Who knows? Maybe he gets lucky with his putter. We've seen Lucas Glover win a U.S. Open, and I don't think that, like, marginal skill set-wise, I think that skill set-wise, even Glover at his peak, I think that Connors has the same skill set, but better than Glover. Uh, Connors is way better in the short game categories now. Around the green, uh, his best season since he's gotten his card. Putting, by far, his best season since he's gotten his card. He's actually a good putter now. The other thing, Pat, and you mentioned this earlier, uh, John Rahm lost strokes off the tee at Memorial, which ended like a 40-event streak of him gaining strokes off the tee. So the new king of gaining strokes off the tee consecutively is Corey Connors. 35 straight, 477 days. Last time he lost strokes off the tee... 2021 Genesis. So it's definitely the skill set that uh, lends itself well to a narrow fairway, long, roughed championship. Fifth in bogey avoidance over the past 36 rounds as well, which is shocking for someone who typically does not putt very well. Yeah, I mean, he's putting better. He's still he's still three putts more than um, more than tour average, but it, it, it is so much better than it used to be. And when he does, the other thing is, so there's this weird stat that the PGA Tour keeps called uh, distance from edge of fairway. It's basically like when you miss, how bad do you miss by? He's number one in that category. So like when he misses, he doesn't miss by much. And I do think unlike winged foot and unlike some other venues we've seen, missing by a little is going to be marginally better than missing by a lot. He's going to keep himself out of the really, really nasty stuff if it comes down to it. I'm going to play Corey Connors, but then you have Mito Pereira up next, who I think rates out really well. I think that he's on the radar for a lot of people. Unfortunately, one of those people was Tim Anderkest, who confused him with Minwoo Lee a month ago at the PGA Championship and then got on board with Mito. You know what happened then. But harder courses, Mito tends to play great. Uh, I think he's going to be very popular this week, and I think justifiably he should be pretty popular. But we're now into this range where I just talked about. You're going to have to make some tougher choices, and I do think that the alternative options to a lot of these 7K guys are palatable. I don't think that there's as big of a difference between them as maybe it is in the $8,000 range. So if you want to use... I was even going to say me. I was going to say Aaron Wise, who I also like, who's the same price, but he's going to garner some ownership as well. But if you want to use, let's say, I don't know, Louis Eustazen instead of these guys, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, Louis kind of the fascinating one, right? I don't know if we're ready to talk about Louis, but like you know, the the major championship record, the U.S. Open 
record's phenomenal, right? Runner-up third, seventh, 16th in his last uh, four trips. And kind of the out-of-sight, out-of-mind, hasn't played a ton when he did. It's been in London for the live golf. People, I, I like. I don't expect people to be flocking to Louis Eustace. And he's, he's probably one of my favorite pivots uh, on the board, not just in this 7K range. And you'll probably get him around between 5 and 8% ownership. I do think that he's going to be a popular pivot play, but not enough to juice up his ownership because everyone wants to use Connors and Wise and Mito and Fleetwood and Sungjae and Keegan and Davis Riley, whoever it might be. Like Those guys are all going to be very popular this week. So there's only so much ownership to go around for all of them. So Louis is going to fall through the cracks. Between Mito and Aaron Wise, do you have a preference? Um, I am st- okay. So I'm not a Tony Finau truther. I am like kind of an Aaron wise truther, which kind of hurts in this, in this scenario. So I, I would probably lean, uh, towards wise who just continues to show the, the, the great putting improvements. The one thing that I have concern about Mito with, I guess, uh, and, and Aaron wise is not immune to this either is like the closing ability. And the fact that that really good finish that we saw at the PGA championship for Mito was his best putting performance ever. So I think the, the, the true ceiling is, is kind of a big ask. I, I would opt for Aaron wise in this spot. I'm trying to make that decision right now, and maybe I can give it another 12 hours or so and continue to talk it out. I mean, they do a lot of the same things really well. The one big difference that I was surprised about, Aaron Wise, one of those players, along with Mito, that plays holes that are hard to power and overpower really well, like the Shane Lowry's and Rory's of the world. But the off the tee game, strangely enough, has relied on Mito, not Aaron Wise. And when you think of Aaron Wise, you think the bread and butter is how well he drives the ball, but it just, it hasn't been that way basically since the heritage. Like he plays these shorter coastal courses really well off the tee. When you get to longer tracks, for some reason is off the tee game goes kind of south. For sure. I don't know if he's trying to muscle it out there and, and something goes awry, but he's still gaining no matter how small in some of these scenarios. And I mean, 7,200 yards, Pat, for a, a U.S. Open venue, is, it's, that's that's pretty short by most standards. I agree, but I don't think it's necessarily going to feel like it plays that length with blind shots and some elevation. And I know I've brought up this point a bunch this week, but I do recall the chatter when Pebble Beach was hosting the U.S. Open. And it's like, oh, well, it's a short course. Anyone can compete here. Then you look at the top of the leaderboard. It's like, oh, it's Shez Reevy and the nine guys who hit the ball the farthest. Yeah, because Pebble Pebble requires everybody to play to the same spots. There's just all these landing areas, and then everybody hits. You know, Gary Woodland's hitting a wedge in, and uh, you know these shorter guys are hitting six iron or seven iron in or something like that. So Pebbles, Pebbles kind of different in that way, but you're right. I think, especially with the rough that's out there and um, you know, some of these, there's kind of some elevation changes and blind shots. It, it's not going to play to a pure 72. I think it plays a little bit longer. And I do think that some of the distance is hidden a little bit, a lot like it is at Riviera. Obviously we have the elevation changes at Riviera, but you have those like weird short holes at Riviera that just like take time uh, just take yardage away from when you think about the average once you exclude those two because one of these par threes 131 yards there's a par three that is this par three is this par four going to be drivable do you think because it seems like it is 
Uh, I think not every day. Uh, I think I think they will. It'll certainly be drivable based on conditions. Like one day, like probably Saturday. I think they'll give you the up tees and let everybody go for it. But uh, no, I think there's still going to be a, a a priority on playing from uh, playing from the short grass. And if I remember correctly, that green complex is pretty tricky. And some guys might opt to hit a hit a full shot into it. Um, but I think I think at least one day they'll be able to take a crack at it. Tommy Fleetwood led to the biggest screaming fight that Jeff and I have had in quite some time on Monday's show. I'm not playing Fleetwood. I'm just not doing it. Um, I appreciate what Tommy has done. Right, he's been he's been stout around the greens. This is the best golf that he has played in basically since the tour shut down in in 2020. But I think as I've started, as the week has gone on, and as I've started to build more lineups, and as I've started to kind of get kind of a feel for this board, he has not been making a lot of my lineups because of Corey Connors, because of um, you know Mito Pereira and Aaron Wise, because of some guys we're going to talk about in a second. It's just. I, I thought if you would have asked me a couple of days ago, how much exposure would you have to Tommy Fleetwood? I probably would have thought it was a lot more than what I'm going to end up with just as I'm now making lineups in practice. It'd be one thing if he wasn't going to be popular and it's not like he's going to be the highest owned dude from down here. That honor belongs to Sung JM, but he's going to be 12, 13, 14%. If he was 5%, sure. But when I can have Louie for that ownership instead of Fleetwood, give me Louie, the guy that just performs in these big stages over and over again. And Fleetwood does have a decent U.S. Open track record not so decent the past three turns at the U.S. Open. We just remember the we remember the good times with Tommy a lot of the time, and never really the bad times with Tommy. So I will be taking a pass. Sung J.M. Rory Xander, probably Fitz Finau, and then you got this guy. Give me a guess on his ownership in the fifteen dollar millionaire maker. Oh boy, um, twenty. I have bet him to win at 66 to 1, and then I found out that he is the most Andercursed player of the week. A lot of people are not happy about that, myself included. You feel comfortable fading him because on paper he really does set up perfectly here. He's 15th in FedEx Cup points, if you didn't know. (laughs) And that is my currency of choice, FedEx Cup points, yes. Um, I... I am not as comfortable fading him as Rory, which sounds crazy, but I think that when you start looking at the top and the other great options, you can make a case for all those guys. There are some good guys here in the 7K range, but I I think he is clearly the guy. So I I would not feel comfortable fading Sung JM. He's just he's just like I get it. This is the guy. This is the ball striking guy who uh, has been playing well and he can get hot with the putter and the short games been on display. Like this is the guy. I get it. Just trying to figure out right now, see if I can bring this up to see if I can play the Tim Andercast to miss the cut parlay with all of his guaranteed to be good picks. That's always a fun time. I know Paul won a lot of money on Scotty Scheffler to miss the cut at the PGA championship when he, you know, there was no way he couldn't win that week. And then all of a sudden he's, he's missing cuts. So let's see here. Morikawa. Sungjae, where are you at, Sungjae? Do this in real time. Plus 162 to miss the cut. And Mito Pereira, plus 137. Oh, seven, or sorry, 18 to 1 for those three. Three team parlay for those three guys to miss the cut. I mean, you could do worse than that, couldn't you? I mean, 18 to 1 for three guys to miss the cut. That's that's pretty good. It's not. I mean, 18 to 1, that's what? Jordan Speed to win this thing? Maybe, nah, Speed's longer. Than yeah, that. it's like Scheffler to win this thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love it. 
Yeah, see, just parlay it with Scotty Scheffler to win him, and boom, just multiply your money. It's like hitting 27 red on the roulette wheel. But, okay, let's talk about Keegan. Actually, no, Abe Answer is actually the guy who's right there, who's next. Uh, I don't have very much interest in Abe Answer. No. I'm I'm not a fan of Answer, and uh, even when he plays well statistically, it doesn't always even show up in the results, so out on Answer. It, it's really been the approach for me. His approach game has just been piss poor for like two months now, and you're going to need that this week. I think on paper, like, he sets up very well off the tee like Connors does, but the rest of his game has just gone to shit, so I don't want to be there with him. Keegan Bradley. I bet Keegan Bradley to win it 80-1. to 1. Who am I? Hmm. Wow. That is, um, man, I, I'm generally the Keegan guy. Um, he hasn't been as good on approach as I would like, uh, but he is putting. So it's kind of weird. I, I think it's unlikely that he wins this tournament, but I think for DraftKings purposes, uh, he is someone that on paper, total driver of the ball has putted better as of late savvy vet. Who's the moment's not too big for him or anything like that. I'm like a six and a half out of 10 in terms of excitement. I just liked him the way that he rated out in those total driving metrics of the guys from down the list. Uh, he was probably the best of the bunch when it came to distance plus accuracy. It's really funny to go back and look at the wins that he's had in his career. He's only won four times on the PGA Tour uh, over the past 12 years. And three of them have been against elite fields at hard courses, which is just mind-boggling. He won Bridgestone, a WGC, back when Firestone played incredibly tough, very narrow fairways there as well. He won a PGA Championship. That was pretty tough against the best guys in the world. When was the last time he won? He won the BMW Championship in the, like, the FedEx Cup playoffs. I think he won eight under that week. Something really crazy, and it was just a very difficult course in the Northeast. He's a Northeastern guy. He might not have any course experience, but I do think that he has better local knowledge of how this rough is going to play, how the green speeds are going to run than a lot of guys. You just don't see very many golfers from the Northeast. I forgot that he was like a New England guy. He's like a big Boston sports fan or whatever. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting angle. I don't mind that. Listen, he is, he is uh, you know, we kind of talked about Billy Horschel being a grinder. Like, I think Keegan's a grinder too, man. I think he, I think he really works hard. And I've, believe it or not, I've walked some holes with Keegan and he just, he works hard over every shot. Thursday, Friday, doesn't matter. He works very, very hard over every single shot, which is something that when you're this far down, even making it to the cut, moving up the leaderboard on the weekend, uh, you know, grinding out points for you is a valuable trait. Seamus Power, I like as well. He is 7,500. Now, Keegan's going to carry double-digit ownership more than likely between like 8 and 13%. Now we're into a range where no one is going to do that. So who are the pivots that you like down here? I like Seamus Power. I like Munoz. Davis Riley might get popular, but I do like him too. Do you know, so Seamus Power is making his debut, Pat. The last guy to win the U.S. Open in his first time playing it. Do you have any idea how long how long it's been? I have no idea, but I don't think he's going to win. I think he's going to play well. <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to win either. Francis, we met. 1913. Oh, here. <laughs> here. Yeah. Last guy to win the U.S. Open in his first crack. No, I don't think he's going to win either, but um, I like power as a pivot. I I think that um, – what, what do you think HV3 comes in at? I don't know. Now, there's a company out there, a sports betting book. I'm not quite sure what their name is, but they sponsored Harold Varner III today. They know he's going to the live tour, right? 
I imagine <laughs> there is a clause in that contract. That then, says, then why sign it when the guy's going to be there next week? I, I'll tell you what that I was, I, that is the only thing that's thrown me off the scent of HB three going to this, to the live golf league. But I'm like, why, right. Why would they have signed this? If he is probably a week or two away from, from going and playing on that tour. So that's the only thing that's kind of thrown me off the scent, but otherwise I, I I'm pretty sure he's already got his bags packed. Davis Riley. Yes or no. Yeah. I, I, he's, he's, he's the real deal. And ever since he played with Zal Torres, he stole some of his superpowers and he hasn't finished outside the top 13 since. And he's just been rolling and the T to green games sharp. He's gaining across the board. Yeah. Big, big in on, on Riley. Yeah. And on the corn Ferry tour, when it's even last year and the year before sort of the king of tough courses on the corn Ferry tour. So this should really work out well for him. How about live tour member Taylor Gooch, who by the numbers from the, his yeah. PGA tour play looks really good here. Yeah, this is this is kind of the most fascinating one to me because uh, one, I was shocked that he that he went because it's, he he doesn't fill the the script of everybody else, but uh, you know, great ball striker uh, has played well enough on the PGA Tour. Again, he he had a top ten in in a forty eight man field in London last week. I don't know how to reconcile that, but this is this is a really interesting, almost like. Um, you know, psychoanalysis, like, is, is he just going to come back and play with Max home in practice rounds and everything's going to be all good and he's going to play well? Cause if so, I think on paper, it's a really good setup for him. No ownership being attached to Taylor Gooch right now whatsoever. Yeah. I, I, I think he's very fascinating for the mid $7,000 guys. Um, because there's some that he's just clearly, I mean, many of these guys, he's just much better than, and we, we've seen the winning upside. I, I think Gooch is, a really interesting option if you can get him at low ownership, which seemingly you can. Reminder to everyone to smash the like and play into the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League. The link is available down in the description, as is the link to the free newsletter. Go check that out, and you can find all the myriad giveaways. Uh, this week alone, I'm giving out close to like $1,500, some of it in cold hard cash, some in Justin Herbert rookie cards, some in DK tickets. You can find all of the information, how to get your ballots, down in the description with that free newsletter, or you can just rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, no matter where in the world you are we need your support on this one winners announced on wednesday's show so you got so much more time to go do this if you're listening before that live show at noon eastern time russell henley i'm not using him but i can see why everyone wants to uh so do i but i would honestly just like i i've i've been very successful using russell henley in showdown situations and not in (laughs) tournament long situations because uh the inevitable kind of weekend come back to earth thing happens. So Russell Henley will get a lot of like, uh, you know, round one matchups and first round leader and showdown stuff, but I will not commit to Russell Henley for four, for first straight rounds. Uh, I'm going to bet Seb Straka first round leader. He's in the good AM wave. I kind of like him at $7,200 as well. He's played tougher courses pretty well so far this year, almost like Seamus power as well, where, you know, his, he plays the masters. He plays the PGA championship and finishes pretty well in them. And Straka he'll fight for your money is the one thing that I've learned about him. Even if he's outside the cut line, he's going to rally for you and really make a push to get to the cut line. What I like about him, he's a, just a big, strong guy. And yeah. when you start looking at extracting yourself from this rough, I mean, you need club head speed, right? That That's how this works. And uh, he is one of the better guys in this range of just being able to whip his ball out of the thick stuff. 
All right, I think we're good of going through name. Actually, you know what? Patrick Reed. Let's do it. I kind of like yeah. Patrick Reed here. <laughs> I kind of love Patrick Reed here. So there's, there's uh, again, the, the, the bizarro Bryson path to success, where Bryson wins at winged foot because everyone's playing from the rough, and Bryson's the best out of the rough. If everyone's playing from greenside at the country club, that's really, really good for Patrick Reed. And he, if you go back and run the numbers for – I don't know, the last couple of years on small greens, 5,000 square feet on average or smaller, Patrick Reed's name is like top six. And he's one of the few guys that does it not via hitting every green, right? Morikawa just hits every green. Justin Thomas just hits every green. Patrick Reed does it with the short game stuff. And I think that that is going to be such a huge emphasis this week. And we know, Pat, nobody would be more villainous than Patrick Reed coming back, winning the U.S. Open and darting off to Portland. And it's not like he was going to be popular anyway. Like you're, we're talking about like three percent owned Patrick Reed here. I'm I'm in. I'm in. I actually I actually had already. I bet I bet him. I have like a hundred and twenty five to one ticket on Patrick Reed from a couple of weeks ago. I was excited about his chances at St. George's, kind of another place with small greens and uh, you know the ability to get up and down being being pretty important. But this is this is an even better setup for him. I had bet him at St. George's before he WD'd. So I think you you and I are reading far too many of the same tea leaves this week. I don't know how I feel about that. I like being on the same side of you. Don't get me wrong. I think you're a very smart guy. That's why I have you on. But the fact that I agree with you, that's bad news for you. It's it's never good when like you get the consensus. It's like, well, we know how this is gonna go, right? It's just like golf is so bizarre, and a million things are going to happen. So uh, we'll we'll be right or we'll be wrong together. That's okay. Okay. Rest of the seven Ks because there's still like thirty people down here in the seven Ks. The ones that I have starred currently, I don't know whether I'm in or out on, are Woodland, Rogers, Norin, and List. I like those guys. Did I miss? Uh, did I miss Siwoo? Is Siwoo even cheaper? Where's he at? 7,000. 7, I like Siwoo. Shocker. Yeah, shocker to find Siwoo and Luke List on, on the short list, but um, they are they're, they're, I like those guys too. I'll tell you what, two, two more. Brian Harmon uh, getting a great U.S. Open setup. You know, he finished runner-up at Aaron Hills or whatever, and he, sh- he never should have, but this is a better spot for him, and you want to talk about villains coming back from live uh kevin na has been unbelievable on approach play still has the great short game as if he does not lose four strokes with the driver if he loses like one and a half i think he could be a very noisy option later in the week none of these guys will carry ownership if you're looking for the ownership guy down here it's justin rose following his performance at the canadian open i feel like there's no easier fate on the board than justin rose at 12 percent at 7100 dollars when literally everyone around him is one percent yes and that bizarre 60 that he shot with three eagles and three bogeys <laughs> does not get me excited whatsoever six thousand dollar players I have some guys that I like here that I'll use in a lot of Scheffler builds. I don't know if I'd want to build a balance. And maybe that's the way to do it. If you want to have like the five-man balance build lineup and you do want to risk it, I got some names for you down here. And I think I'm going to try to rank them for you in the $6,000 range. The two I like the best, I think, are my guy, Ari All, who you probably got to see a lot of in Vegas when he played really well at the Shriners, and he has the good dry, $6,400. His past three starts on the Corn Ferry Tour, it's a win, a fifth, and a 34th, mashes the ball off the tee. 
I think that he is a worthy gamble at $6,400. Do I think he's going to make the cut? Eh, it's probably like 50-50. But either way, I think that's good for a $6,400 player who can play well in these conditions. Hits it big off the tee. Taylor Montgomery, flea market. Another one who absolutely mashes off the tee. Second in par four scoring average on the Corn Ferry Tour this year. Second in overall scoring average on the Corn Ferry Tour, even higher up in the driving distance ranks than Harry Hollis, also $6,400. I think if you want to go down and you want to take a chance, we've seen Corn Ferry guys do well at the U.S. Open. I think those are the two that you want to go after. Uh, Harry Hall plays out of Summerlin, so I see him over <laughs> there a lot, and he mashes it. You are right, but I always, like, it always looks impressive when those guys hit it, so it's hard to say, like, how that, how that compares to everybody else. But, yes, very, very good golfer. I got two for you, Pat, here. How about... Adri Arnis, he's, who he, plays on... He's he's on my list. I got you there. All right. Plays on the DP World Tours, coming off a 16th place finish. Made the cut and finished 30th at the PGA Championship. He won four starts ago, right? I, I like it when guys have a little bit of major championship uh, history out there. You know, it's not going to be their first time showing up and playing a major. Uh, Yannick Paul is the other one. Ooh. Remember outlaw tour hero Yannick and Jeremy Paul, the twins? Yannick's now, in this field. Isn't he a professional boxer? If he... I thought he was a professional golfer, Pat. <laughs> so he's not one of the Paul brothers that like one of them went into boxing, oh, one of them went into the, golf. The third, the third Paul brother yeah. who, who went into golf. I don't think so. No, his twin, these twins, Jeremy's from like Denmark or Germany. Well, maybe that's like a bit that uh, Logan and Jake do that. They're Yannick Paul from Germany. You know, you know what? That I, I think would make that'd be a, a good lot bit. more sense. <laughs> I've never seen this guy in person. I've only ever just seen his results at a spreadsheet or on a website. So it is it is possible that uh, it is it is Logan or Jake Paul in disguise. But whether it is or not, uh, I love the career progression. Right this this guy is grinding outlaw tour and moves up the ranks. Then he's grinding challenge tour, moves up the ranks. Now he's on the DP world tour. He's got uh one, two, three, four top twenties in his last six starts, a runner up finish a couple of weeks ago, top 20 at the Porsche European open. It is, it's impressive to see these guys move up the ranks of professional golf with how hard it is now. So I like you, I, I'm probably out on the, the lost Paul brother, but I do like, uh, how are we pronouncing his last name? Arnas? I thought it was Arnis, but like I am zero percent. Yeah, well, I, I heard a Andy was telling me about it last night, and I was like, "That's not how I pronounce it." But he's probably more right than I am. So double I, A, I, double yeah. A, Arn Anderson. We got one of the four horsemen out here. We can use him. I, I do like him, and I like him along. With, he's a bit more expensive than Montgomery and Hall, but I think I'm okay with that. If you want to mix and match some of these guys in the six thousand dollar range, I think you can get tricky. You can play a Magic Beans final guy with either Hughes or Lucas Herbert. Kitayama has the length. Nick Hardy has the length. He's only $6,200. Played really well at the Canadian Open. Was coming back from injury. Uh, and even, was it two weeks ago, was second on the Corn Ferry Tour. So he's, and he, I think he won his qualification section at the U.S. Open as well. He's $6,200. I will have a little bit of him. And the last guy is Sam Horsfield. You know, another live guy. Actually played really well on the live tour. I believe he was fifth place. Hits it a ton off the tee. And he was someone that everyone really liked at the PGA Championship. Had a bad PGA championship coming over the DP World Tour. I think for his price point that it's a pretty good play. Yeah, the, what I love about this range is all these guys that that legit earned their way in and qualified in. 66 of them in the field uh this week. The last guy that I'll that I'll throw out there is 
Uh, one of the few like PGA Tour regulars that we have down here, which is Bo Hostler. He's 6,400 bucks. He was 17th at the Byron Nelson, made the cut at the PGA Championship, 21st at the Charles Schwab, 32nd at the Memorial. So he's got four straight decent starts coming into this, can provide a little bit of salary cap relief if you want to go that route. And he's going to have to do it. He's going to have to do it, Pat, with the short game. Agreed. He actually just missed that split. Uh, I looked at players because this was the Luke List stat that I have, that there was four players in the field who ranked inside the top 20. I believe it was top 20 or top 25 of both driving distance and strokes gained around the green over the past 75 rounds. It was Rory, Scheffler, List, someone else, and then just on the outside was Bo Hostler. He hits it a mile, and he's very good around the greens. That could be a very good recipe this week. I agree with you. Yeah, two two good skill sets to have uh, at this at this setup, and at sixty four hundred bucks, you're not asking for much. Rick, we kept it under ninety minutes. You're a hero, sir. Wow. First time ever. Is that a new record? I, th- I think so. I think this is where we're coming in around. I think it's a good bit. We talked about basically everyone we want to talk about. I think. If we didn't talk about the guy that people wanted to hear about, like, sorry, you know, like when we talk about 90 different golfers in this field, that's pretty good. Yeah. Tough shit out there, people. If we didn't talk about Gary Woodland enough for you, I like Gary this week, but you know, we don't need to break him down. He's won a U.S. Open in the past. Rick Gaiman, you will be at the course on Wednesday. So what sort of special content can we expect from you? Yeah, so I'm there with with CBS. So I'll be on. Uh, they'll do streaming stuff. Uh, CBS Sports HQ probably like four times a day, and then we'll be recording some podcasts and stuff out of there as well. So the first time we're kind of getting the crew together here in in quite some time, and I'm just I'm just looking forward to it, Pat. It's it's uh, exciting time for golf, and we're going to an awesome historic venue. I'm I'm excited to get back out there on the road. At Rick Run Good on Twitter, rickrungood.com. Some of the best tools on the planet up there. Highly recommend that you go over in the Rick Run Good YouTube channel and all of the myriad podcasts that you can find Rick on, including CBS Sports HQ in the First Cut podcast, along with 300 Yards to Unknown. So Rick is probably the best in the biz right now. I'm so proud of you, buddy. And I look forward to seeing your content from the course this week. It's so exciting. I'm excited for you. Thank you, Pat. I really, I really seriously appreciate that. And uh, you are always so helpful in, in getting everybody rocking and rolling in this industry and lifting everybody up. And yeah, it's, it's fun when stuff like this works out. Cause I know there's a lot of people who want to be going to the event and want to be doing this for a living. And I'm lucky enough to be able to do it. And it, it's crazy every day, but I, I appreciate you in a big way. Well, now the move is anyone who gets close to you step on their throat so they can't take your job. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on that. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I'm as good at that as, uh, as you'd like me to be. <laughs> well, just wear, just, just don't wear the soft spikes, wear like the metal spikes to the course and it'll make things a lot easier. Once you get the pressure on that neck, trust me on that one. Either way, Rick run good on Twitter and YouTube and the website.com. You can follow me at the PME sub to the newsletter to find all of the giveaway info for the U S open. There is a ton, like I said, almost $1,500 worth of free giveaways that you can get your hands on many different ways to get the ballot to get the ballots into the draw there's 101 that you can do you can find that only in the newsletter so go subscribe to it or just read it whatever and then the big one is rate and review and subscribe to the pat mayo experience audio podcast leave those reviews because those will help push us up to the very top of the list we're almost there in the states almost there in canada and a lot of different countries so that extra push over the finish line will only help thank you all for watching i'm pat mayo i'll see you next time Experience! Experience!
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.